Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you for standing by. This is the conference operator. Welcome to the Shopify Inc. First Quarter Financial Results Conference Call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star, then 1 on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and 0. I would now like to turn the conference over to Katie Keita, Director of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. We hope everyone is keeping well during this uncertain time. We are joined this morning by Toby Lutka, Shopify's CEO, Harley Finkelstein, our Chief Operating Officer, and Amy Shapiro, our CFO. Each of us is dialing in safely from our homes. After some brief prepared remarks by Harley and Amy, we will open it up for your questions. While much has changed from our call in February, one thing that hasn't is the requirement to point out that we may make forward-looking statements on our call today, which are based on assumptions. As such, they're subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected. We undertake no obligation to update these statements except as required by law. You can read about these risks and uncertainties in our press release and in our filings with U.S. and Canadian regulators. Note that adjusted financial measures we speak to today are non-GAAP measures, which are not a substitute for GAAP measures. Reconciliations between the two can be found in our earnings press release. And finally, we report in U.S. dollars, so all amounts discussed today are in U.S. dollars, unless we tell you otherwise. With that, I turn the call over to Harley. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Before moving ahead, I want to express our gratitude on behalf of the entire team at Shopify to the frontline workers who are in the trenches, from medical professionals to food store workers, to those in our partners' warehouses, who are keeping the rest of us safe and fed and operational during the COVID-19 pandemic. We are incredibly grateful for the tireless service of these heroes. I typically take this time every three months to review what we saw in the quarter. Today, I'll keep that commentary to a minimum since January and February saw a much different business environment than we have today. Instead, I'll use most of my remarks this morning to catch up everyone on what we've done, what we've seen in March and April. This shock to the economy was so sudden that patterns in March and April may not be predictive of the rest of the year. However, we do have reason to believe that some of the patterns that emerged will continue. I'll be covering three areas today. Shopify's response to COVID, how our merchants have been faring, and the world we think is emergent on the other side of this. Our highest priority as the COVID situation unfolded was the health and safety of our employees. In late February, we directed the entire Shopify team to cancel non-essential travel, and by mid-March, our entire workforce was working from home. We are fortunate to have already been well outfitted for collaboration at a distance, so this shift was minimally disruptive to most employees day to day. Others, whose primary work supported our office spaces are contributing in other ways, 
many supporting initiatives that directly impact our merchants. No one has been furloughed due to COVID. Our merchants, on the other hand, have been far more impacted, so we acted quickly. In the early days of the pandemic, our guiding principle was the same as always, put merchants first. We prioritized efforts to give existing merchants the tools they need to survive and help get offline businesses online fast. We launched a continuously updated resource center for merchants with tutorials and links to apply for government-provided funding. We rolled out in-store and curbside pickup for users of our point-of-sale product and showed merchants how to set up local delivery options. We made gift cards available on all of our plans. And with more than $1 million in gift cards sold since making this change, merchants are accessing much-needed cash quickly during this disruption. Both of these have triggered more local activity, including various communities setting up online sales to spur local commerce, and more than a quarter of our brick-and-mortar merchants in English-speaking geographies are now using in-store pickup and local delivery. We made $200 million additional dollars available through Shopify Capital to extend to merchants for whom working capital will make a difference and expanded the availability of capital beyond the U.S. to the U.K. and to Canada. We rolled out Shopify email to all our merchants to help them reach out and build trust with their buyers during this uncertain time. We're making this feature available at no charge until October 1st. And we made our standard plans free to new users for three months. Brick and mortar only retailers have lost their only channel, the street. If these businesses are going to survive, it's mission critical to get online and we're giving them more time to do exactly that. This change is also helpful to anyone finding themselves with more free time or wanting to generate supplemental income. We've seen a notable increase in online store creation, some of which are established retailers. It is still too early and the macro environment is too uncertain to make predictions about how successful these new stores will be. But merchants can be assured that we are doing everything we can right now to give them the tools they need to succeed. Merchants will continue to need our help and we plan to continue our efforts to innovate and develop more impactful ways to support them. After all, small businesses are a vital part of the economic and social fabric of our society and support the livelihoods of many people in our communities. So what are we seeing on the platform and among our merchants? First and foremost, we are seeing them find ways to operate under today's constraints through creativity, grit, and determination. Their stories have been incredibly inspiring, from pivots by tailors and distilleries now making face masks and hand sanitizers, to an 84-year-old grandmother in Italy who's taken her pasta-making course online to replace the in-person experience she was offering to tourists before the pandemic. Merchants are eager to mobilize, implementing discount codes at levels usually seen during the holiday shopping season. On Shopify Plus, verticals we've never seen before, like food stores, are showing up. In April, Heinz signed on to Shopify Plus and launched seven days later, while chocolate maker Lind launched in just five days. This pandemic is forcing all kinds of merchants to rethink how they sell things, and Shopify Plus offers larger merchants the ability to move fast while managing costs, especially important at a time when economics are pressured. We are seeing our partners around the world step up in a phenomenal way, even as many of them face hurdles themselves, being entrepreneurs and small businesses. Our partners are getting stores up and running significantly faster, with the number of stores created in three days or less, increasing by 85% between March 13th and April 24th, relative to the six weeks leading up. Our partners are advocating for merchants and offering discounted and free services. 
and they are working hand-in-hand -hand with other partners to solve problems for both businesses and for their communities. Some of these trends, like product pivots, are temporary. Others, like distance learning and the growth of omnichannel commerce, are likely to persist. This post-COVID world is what we're building for, and we have shifted accordingly. Shopify's worldview has not changed. Our conviction that merchants need to be able to sell to their buyers wherever they may be remains as true today as it was a decade ago. While we're uncertain about what is coming in the months ahead, Shopify is uniquely positioned to help improve the economic lives of our merchants in this difficult environment and in a retail landscape that is accelerating its shift online. In what is easily the greatest humanitarian crisis in a generation, with adverse effects that will last for the foreseeable future, it is important that we all keep building towards solutions. All of these shifts make Shopify, which was already a good fit for modern commerce, an even better fit for the world that emerges on the other side of this. Before I hand off to Amy, we wanted to share an exchange with a merchant that illustrates just how critical it is, especially right now, to make commerce better for everyone. In this case, it's a farmer. Here it is. Hi, thank you for calling Shopify's retail support. I just appreciate you guys answering the phone. This is like real time here. <laughs> and totally. I have a Shopify account I've been working on to launch an online store for selling local vegetables and flowers. We're just barely able to do this in the midst of trying to grow all this stuff. However, there is interest now of coming to pick up the vegetables on the farm, of which we hope to do pre-sales online. Yeah, absolutely. I could cry right now because if it weren't for Shopify, I don't think we have a farm. So I don't think we sell anything. And I almost didn't set it up because building a website is so hard and Shopify made it so easy. You know, they should know they're really helping people. And it's really important. Thanks, Harley. That was a great reminder of why we all come to work every day. I want to echo our commitment to our merchants. We are 100% behind them and doing everything we can to help them through this tough time. We believe we are well positioned to help merchants now and into the future, as it has become increasingly important for merchants of all sizes to sell online and to have better options for getting their goods to buyers. We are on that path already and will continue to invest to make commerce better for everyone in 2020 and beyond. Shopify's momentum in 2019 continued into our first quarter, turning in a strong January and February prior to headwinds appearing in March as a result of COVID. I'll start by reviewing first quarter results, highlighting any COVID impact. Revenue grew 47% in our first quarter to $470 million. Subscription solutions revenue increased 34% year over year to $187.6 million. Monthly recurring revenue grew 25% year-over-year to $55.4 million, primarily driven by new merchants joining the platform. Year-over-year -year MRR growth was impacted by several factors, including Shopify's removal of thousands of stores from the platform due to violations of our acceptable use policy, lighter international merchant ads, and an uptick in subscription cancellations and merchants downgrading to lower price subscription plans in March, largely due to COVID. Shopify Plus continued to increase its contribution to MRR, accounting for $15.3 million or 28%, compared with 26% of MRR in Q1 of 2019. 
strong app and Shopify Plus platform fee revenues contributed to the approximate 9 percentage point difference between the growth of subscription revenue and MRR. Merchant Solutions revenue grew 57% to $282.4 million in Q1 2020, compared to the same period in 2019. Year-on-year -year growth was driven primarily by Shopify payments, followed by growth of other Merchant Solutions revenue, like capital and shipping, on the back of strong GMV expansion, which increased 46% year-over-year to $17.4 billion. Strong January and February merchant sales, further boosted by elevated buying in March driven by COVID of food and other essentials and items such as home office and gym equipment contributed to Q1 GMV. This was partially offset by a decrease in brick and mortar sales given closures related to COVID. $7.3 billion of GMV was processed on Shopify payments in Q1 an increase of 51% versus the comparable quarter last year. Payments penetration of GMV was 42% versus 41% in Q1 2019, as Shopify Plus continued to increase its share of GPV, and Shopify payments continued to expand internationally. Shopify Capital hit a notable milestone in Q1, surpassing $1 billion in cumulative capital advance since we launched this product in 2016. Offering our merchants a fast and convenient way to secure capital, especially in times like these, helps them focus on what really matters, growing their business. Adjusted gross profit dollars, which excludes the impact of stock-based compensation expense and related payroll taxes, as well as amortization of acquired intangibles, grew 44% over last year's first quarter to $263.8 million. Even after taking into account the acquisition of Six River Systems, our ramp up of investment in Shopify Fulfillment Network and a greater mix of Merchant Solutions revenue versus last year. This reflects strong growth from higher margin revenue streams like the variable platform fee from Shopify Plus merchants, efficiencies in hosting costs, and improved payment margins. Adjusted operating loss, which excludes the impact of stock-based compensation expense and related payroll taxes, as well as amortization of acquired intangibles, was $7.3 million in the first quarter of 2020, compared to adjusted operating income of $0.3 million in the first quarter of 2019. The loss in Q1 2020 was the result of our first full quarter of operating expenses associated with the Six River Systems acquisition significantly more brand spend in the first quarter of 2020 relative to the same period a year ago, and a year-over-year -year increase in the allowance for potential losses related to Shopify payments and Shopify capital due to the potential impact of COVID. Adjusted net income for the quarter was $22.3 million, or 19 cents per share, compared with $7.1 million, or 6 cents per share, in last year's first quarter. Finally, our cash, cash equivalents, and marketable securities balance was $2.36 billion on March 31st. Because COVID impact presented itself first in March with respect to our results, we want to share March and April merchant and business insights that drove our immediate merchant response that Harley described, and then are expected to have implications on commerce, both short and in some cases long term. So what have we learned so far? First, 
the shift from offline to online commerce is accelerating. More entrepreneurs than ever before are trying out Shopify with new store creations on our platform growing 62% between March 13th and April 24th compared to the six weeks prior, supported by brick and mortar merchants moving online and the extension of our free trial on standard plans to 90 days, providing a healthy balance of existing businesses and new entrepreneurs setting up shop. While our free trial extension will likely further pressure MRR growth in our second quarter, we expect new business creation to offset this over time. Second, consumers are a part of this shift to online, and they are broadening their online shopping activities. The number of consumers making a purchase for the first time from any Shopify merchant grew 8% between March 13th and April 24th compared with the previous six weeks. Over that same period, the number of consumers purchasing from a Shopify merchant they'd never shopped at before grew by 45% over the six weeks leading up. As more consumers shop on more of our merchant stores, we are helping consumers more easily discover new brands and products, such as through our shop app. And we are also enhancing capabilities to get products for merchants to buyers, both locally and beyond. Third, Newer product categories are growing as a part of our mix. We have seen a lift in GMB in the food, beverage, and tobacco category, which more than doubled between March 13th and April 24th over the prior six-week period. Other essential products, such as toilet paper and baby products, as well as work from home, fitness, entertainment, and leisure and hobby products also trended upward, reflecting the extended shelter-in-place directives. While we saw an initial softening in apparel and accessories, this category has recovered since the last week of March. The world we live in today is very different from when we reported our fourth quarter results on February 12th. What has not changed, however, is Shopify's mission to make commerce better for everyone. This North Star has guided our decision-making over the years to invest in the right initiatives, such as building resilient platform infrastructure for low-friction online shopping experiences from browsing to checkout, adding essential tools and capabilities for merchants like payments and fulfillments, and lowering the barrier to starting a business. This strong foundation has allowed us to move with speed and agility to adapt to current circumstances and empower our merchants to do the same. We have historically worked on the right things to help our merchants succeed, and those things are even more important now given COVID. Now it's a matter of turning the dial up or down in various areas based on immediate needs. I'll walk through each of our initial 2020 investment areas and address how we are adjusting our plans. Starting with Shopify Fulfillment Network, which remains a top priority. Now more than ever, timely and affordable fulfillment is important for our merchants and their buyers. We intend to continue developing our fulfillment network over our planned five-year timeline focusing on achieving product market fit before entering our scale phase in 2021. Demand continued to ramp in Q1 as Shopify's fulfillment network had its highest number of merchant signings in a quarter since inception. And we fulfilled more volume in the first quarter of 2020 than the fourth quarter of 2019. During this time, we are working with our warehouse partners to help ensure the safety and health of all warehouse employees. Our partners' warehouse operations managed to improve service levels from Q4 despite the challenging circumstances presented by COVID. While our transportation partners have also been working diligently to meet agreed upon service levels, they too are pressured 
which is impacting the reliability of some deliveries. Some merchants have also seen delays in receiving inventory due to increased complications in cross-border and port logistics. As we expand the number of merchants we're onboarding, we are putting in place the systems and tools that will support a much larger operation in the future. Six River Systems collaborative warehouse automation technology is helping to boost the speed and reliability of Shopify fulfillment network, releasing several enhancements in Q1 that strengthen its warehouse fulfillment solution. With increased workspace capacity, expanded safety compliance, and an improved user interface, Chuck robots are now bigger, stronger, and easier to use, allowing operators to maximize utilization. Moving to Shopify Plus. In this pressured environment, large volume merchants are coming to Shopify Plus looking for cost-effective commerce solutions that work well over multiple channels. So for the remainder of 2020, we are shifting our resources to help more merchants benefit from all of the superpowers that Shopify Plus has to offer in our core geographies and delaying some of our original planned investment in international expansion. We'll also continue to focus on the product, expanding use cases for our work automation tool, Shopify Flow, improving business analytics, and continuing to develop our wholesale capabilities. And we'll also make some adjustments to our international expansion outside of Shopify Plus. As the ongoing global pandemic impacts the livelihoods of billions, the need for a low-touch way to exchange goods and services is more apparent than ever. We plan to pause certain expansion activities to get to true product market fit faster in our focus regions. This includes helping businesses to get up and running as easily on mobile as on desktop and to expand selling opportunities beyond their borders. We are redirecting our investments in the Shopify platform to fast track what merchants need now. The most pressing of these is capital, which is why we expanded to the UK and Canada within weeks of stay at home measures being put in place. Extending working capital rapidly and responsibly can make a life-saving difference to a business. And so we worked with partners while taking measures to control losses amidst our expansion. This meant leveraging our dynamic machine learning models and adapting terms so we are helping as many merchants as possible while keeping losses at a prudent level. And as we announced in March, we expedited delivery and curbside pickup features on our point of sale product so merchants could continue operating under social distancing norms. This is only one example of how POS is pivoting for a period where less commerce is happening in person. And earlier this week, we shipped the all new Shopify POS, our intuitive point of sale software that offers our retail merchants a unified commerce experience, bridging online and offline, helping them to adapt to a retail landscape that we expect will look different than before. Finally, the Shopify brand campaign has been suspended in order to free up resources for other initiatives, many of which I just laid out that are more directly impactful near term. In a matter of days, our marketing team and others spun up an in-depth COVID response resource center where merchants can get the help they need now. This includes tutorials such as how to start selling gift cards, where to access government-backed assistance programs, and community forums where merchants can share their experiences and learn from each other. We are not sure what the remainder of 2020 looks like, nobody is. And while Shopify was a very different company when the last extended financial shock occurred in 2008 and 2009, 
we took lessons from that period as well as from our early years as a bootstrap startup that have become core to our culture. The first lesson is we cannot help any merchant anywhere if we are not in good financial health ourselves. As noted, we have already begun to adjust our spend to focus on what is most critical for our merchants at this time. In addition to pausing our brand campaigns, we have reduced other marketing activities, canceling most company events planned for the next several months, and leveraging in-house creative solutions instead of external resources. We have also actioned initiatives to achieve hosting and other efficiencies. And there are additional measures we can take in the event of an extended recession that allow us to continue delivering what merchants need in challenging times. The second lesson is that many people whose circumstances have changed will try to build their livelihoods in an altered world, and helping them do this is exactly what Shopify was built for. The increased uncertainty in the macroeconomic environment makes it difficult to predict how the near term through 2020 will shape up, which is why we are not providing an outlook for our second quarter or the full year. We will continue to closely monitor the factors impacting our business to make great decisions quickly to help our merchants. We will get through this, and we've been working hard to ensure that as many merchants as possible do as well and emerge from it better suited for multi-channel commerce. We have a business model that puts merchants first, a fundamental strength as the world retools for lower touch commerce. We have a healthy debt-free balance sheet and a strong cash position and a proven disciplined capital allocation approach to ensure we can operate effectively even through what may be an extended recession. And finally, we have a long established and trusted network of partners working as hard as we are to support merchants now. As Shopify has always been a company of people that thrive on change and embrace hard problems, we are meeting this challenge head on, ready to learn from this collective experience and emerge from it better. With that, I'll turn the call back to Katie. Thanks, Amy. And we're glad everyone could join us this morning to um, talk about Shopify. As always, we are asking you to limit yourselves to one question so everyone can get a chance to ask a question in the about 30 minutes that we have left. And with that, I will turn it over to the operator to begin polling for questions. Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star, then one, on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star, then two. We'll pause for a moment as callers join the queue. Our first question comes from Brad Zelnick of Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Great. Thank you so much for taking the question. I, listen, I appreciate the lack of visibility and why you're not providing guidance, but, but you have a very unique view into what's happening across the economy more broadly. And as you think about your own long-range plans, what underlying assumptions are you making about the shape of economic recovery from here? And what data points within your business give you the most optimism and, and conversely the most pessimism? Thanks. Hi, Brad. Uh, this is Amy. I hope you're well. Um, let me take that one. So, uh, you know, the, the way that, that we're sort of looking at this is uh, there's, a, there's a set of tailwinds and, and headwinds. And right now, those, those tailwinds are far outweighing 
uh, the headwinds for Shopify. And, and let me just kind of review each one of those, and then I can go into the economic scenarios that we're looking at. So with respect to the tailwind, uh, you know, we, we said in the remarks earlier, there has been this accelerated shift from offline to online. Uh, Multi-channel uh, commerce is increasingly important uh, to reach uh, existing and new buyers and direct to consumers critically important to our merchants to have that direct relationship and control their own destiny with finding buyers. Um, we expect you know new norms and trends will benefit Shopify under different economic scenarios. And uh, there's also what I call the multis will likely help us. We're multi-channel, we're multi-vertical, and we're in multiple geographies. Those are all playing to our benefit. Uh, also, the diversity of our merchant base uh, has been helping and will continue to help. We're not dependent on any one merchant. Uh, and lastly, I think our agility, speed, uh, and balance sheet strength uh, are all helping us in this environment. The headwinds uh, are obviously the uncertainty of COVID and how it plays out, uh, how it impacts the economy and unemployment in particular. Uh, the impact of businesses and consumer spending uh, is, is an unknown the further we go out in time. And the degree that offline to online continues to offset those economic headwinds uh, is uncertain. Uh, like most companies, we're, we're looking at both a U-shaped uh, recovery and an L-shaped recovery. The U-shape is a pretty significant uh, downturn in the economy over the next couple of quarters, followed by a fast recovery. In that case, that's really good for, for most merchants. Uh, you know, in a, in a recovering economy, uh, we think that plays well uh, broadly. And we expect all of our merchants will benefit from the new purchasing habits and norms that started uh, during these lockdowns. In the L-shaped recovery that we're looking at, uh, there's a pretty sharp downturn in the, in the next couple of quarters, followed by a much slower recovery well into 2020. In that case, it probably means that COVID is continuing to raise its ugly head. Um, online remains incredibly critical to merchants, and we expect those merchants who are selling non-discretionary items um, on the platform like food, beverage, health care uh, items will continue to um, increase as a, as a percentage of our, uh, our GMV. So um, we step back and, and, and none of these economic scenarios uh, is great uh, from an overall perspective, but we do think that Shopify's tailwinds will benefit us in, in any economic scenario. I just want to add that we're we're well capitalized to weather any of these economic scenarios uh, with a strong balance sheet, and we will continue to invest uh, in those key areas that will benefit our merchants and help us come out on the other side stronger. Thanks, Brad. Our next question comes from Ken Wong of Guggenheim Securities. Please go ahead. Great. Uh, th thanks for all you guys are doing for merchants, and thanks for taking my question. Um, so I, I wanted to touch on a point you guys made earlier on just new types of merchants coming into the Plus franchise, uh, also seeing a little bit of uh, merchants downgrading from Plus. Just wondering if that was still a net positive. 
um, kind of how you expect that trend to continue. Uh, and then any downgrading from the other SKUs, like advanced to, to, to the primary Shopify SKU or Shopify to, uh, to basic? Thank you. Hey, Ken, it's Harley. Uh, I'll take that call. Um, so, yeah, we, we certainly are seeing new, new types of merchants' verticals. Uh, you, we had sort of mentioned that we're seeing brands that traditionally had not gone direct to consumer. We mentioned Heinz and Lynn Chocolates. Uh, literally go from contract signing to full launch of their direct-to-consumer store uh, in seven days and five days, respectively. We're also seeing the grocery category, uh, again, a vertical that Shopify Plus has not traditionally seen become a real thing. Uh, in Canada, we're seeing some of our largest grocery chains like Loblaws and Farm Boy set up stores uh, on Shopify Plus. So we're excited by that, uh, obviously. We also have um, changed our focus from uh, sort of focusing on upgrades on Shopify Plus to more helping um, getting more large merchants online in our core geographies faster. And so we've, we've sort of pivoted our sales team for the time being to focus on getting brand new merchants on. Um, and then in terms of the downgrade question, certainly we are seeing downgrades are happening. Um, but what's, more, what's most important is that they're staying on Shopify and the right size in their businesses. And some of those downgrades have actually already re-upgraded back to plus. And so we expect to see uh, some downgrade and some come up as well as they figure out what they need and, and try to trim some costs. But generally, uh, we're we are pleased with what we're seeing. And I have to tell you on a personal level, these are brands that I've been after for years to join Shopify and join Shopify Plus uh, that told me that eventually they'll do it. They're now doing it. And, and so in many ways, what the situation is doing is it's, it's accelerating the catalyst for people to move from uh, wholesale businesses to direct consumer businesses and move from businesses that traditionally uh, were only brick and mortar to to being more in a brick and click uh, sort of model. So uh, pleased to uh, to see that, and we we think that'll continue. Good, thank you, Ken. Our next question comes from Colin Sebastian of Baird. Please go ahead. Uh, great, thanks, and good morning, and and hope you guys are all <clears throat> safe and healthy. Um, Thanks for the details on the, the puts and takes on the adjustments to the operating plan. Um, is there any way to help us quantify the, the overall impact of those on the level of investment spending um, for this year? And, and more specifically on the fulfillment service, uh, I think you know, based on what we've heard from, from other e-commerce platforms and marketplaces, uh, this may be the single biggest pain point for, for many merchants uh, right now. And it sounds like there isn't really any change in your timeline for for rolling out these services, but but is that correct? And and how do you see Shopify fulfillment differently today than than you did just a few months ago? Thank you. Uh, I'll start that one off, and the, the first part about the quantifying the puts and takes. Um, you know, we 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 tried to uh, provide uh, some overview in the earlier remarks, in, and I'll just speak generally to how we're thinking about um, our spend right now. Um, we've done an extensive analysis of our overall spend, and what we decided is that any spend that uh, is not impactful, productive, or relevant in this time period, like our our brand spend. Uh, that we would suspend that spend, uh, that uh, those expenditures for the remainder of this year, and um, redeploy that money into more useful and productive areas like the 90-day free trial, uh, which we're seeing great benefits from. As I said, we've seen a 62% increase in um, 
store uh, creations on on the uh, platform. Uh, so that's largely how we're doing it. How how that actually comes out quantitatively, we're 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 not going to provide guidance, but you should know that we are uh, we're scrutinizing our spend very heavily and and moving it in the direction where it can be impactful. On the fulfillment network, um, Harley Toby. Uh, I know, you know, we think it's increasingly more important in this, uh, and COVID validated uh, this direction. I'll, I'll let them comment more. Yeah, thanks, Harley here. Um, yeah, so as, as Amy said, I, I think that COVID certainly validates the decision to expand into fulfillments. It seems like now more than ever, uh, timely and affordable fulfillment is really important for our merchants uh, and their buyers, especially as, as some of the incumbent delivery networks are straining under uh, heavy volumes. Um, SFN was already building uh, urgently. We, 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 don't necessarily, we, we don't slow down at Shopify, um, but we will continue to develop our fulfillment network over the planned five-year timeline. We are making really good progress. Uh, we are still getting access, but we are expanding the number of onboarded merchants. We've expanded uh, to Canada, so allowing some Canadian merchants, and also some, uh, some product enhancements have rolled out, so things like merchant onboarding experience is getting better, platform resiliency is getting better, um, but I think our, um, our decision to move into SFN is, uh, feels like the right one now more than ever. Great, thanks Colin. Our next question comes from Gus Papagirojo of PI Financial. Please go ahead. Thanks. Thanks for taking my question and congrats on a great quarter. Um, you know, in a recent interview, Toby, you said that the recent crisis is pulling 2030 into 2020 in terms of online commerce. Uh, you know, one of the trends I expect to see is that uh, I don't think that, that uh, e-commerce is going to get easier. I think it's going to get harder as stuff like augmented and virtual reality technologies get embedded into the e-commerce experience. Do you think the current situation has made larger established brands reconsider uh, their strategy of hosting their own sites and maybe saying, you know, we don't need to do this anymore. Uh, Shopify can do it better than we can. Like, do you, have you guys seen that at all or, or, or not? Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think that's exactly what we're seeing. Um, I, um, uh, I, I, I really believe that as when it comes to the retail industry, um, like I, I, maybe it's not 10 years, but it's a, it's a, we've just jumped a lot of years in the future. And I think one, one really important part about this is, um, um, I think it's really worth for everyone to try to use software that was released in 2010 without any updating and patches. Um, it's one of those kind of experiences where you say, Hey, I, I remember using this, and I remember really, really liking this um, um, back then. But now it seems very old uh, and, and somehow not appropriate anymore to what I sort of expect of this particular category of software. So there's this, there's this um, um, really hard to explain uh, uh, bit rot that exists on the internet, um, uh, where um, People can just sort of intuitively tell that the product is kind of made for the current times or not, and if it fits into the current times and uses sort of capabilities that people make assumptions about. Um, uh, but one of my chief uh, concerns of Shopify has always been to, uh, because Shopify is a software that I first uh, launched in 2006, um, to never make it not fit into the current times. And that's actually a significantly harder job than it might, might, it might sound. Um, and um, uh, again, this, I think, like the massive jump ahead right now um, 
everyone now has circa 2020 quality software in a basically 2030 world. So everyone's software just got 10 years worse, given the requirements and the um, uh, uh, like um, needs by the customers. And so everyone has to make up this gap, right? We have to, uh, this is uh, why you see Shopify shipping a lot right now. Um, I have intentionally asked the company uh, very early in this crisis to uh, like delete all our existing plans and re-derive them from this new reality. I've asked the company to um, lower its minimum acceptable quality bar to shipping because something has to become variable uh, because it's only 24 hours in the day um, so that we can uh, uh, um, launch things. And so we are trying to move ahead because there's this massive vacuum um, that exists uh, in, in, in the gap to compare to quality, especially you see this around curbside pickup. So. And um, like this is speaking from perspective of, I think, the one company which actually had a 2020 quality solution for the retail space in the market. I don't think anyone really had. Um, so that gap just got significantly bigger for um, many companies which have already set on fairly outdated software. And I think this is driving um, uh, a lot more adoption, right? Because I mean, Shopify is very good. Um, like it, it could be massively better. Uh, I certainly spend almost every other meeting uh, I have about some way how we can make it significantly better. Um, but I, I think all things considered, it works really well. It fits itself really well. I mean, some of the things in the press release you might have seen are like that. The like based on our particular view in in in, in the world of retail, while 70% of retail sales might might have disappeared. The, the, the businesses, the retailers that were ready with a online channel at the same time uh, managed to replace up, like, up to 94% of their sales through the online channel. Now imagine the vacuums that exist with all the businesses that are only available to retail. Like this is now a huge drive of opportunity for the challenger brands. And it, it's an imperative that the, uh, the people who aren't prepared uh, jump into this opportunity. So I think there's all sorts of effects that are going on right now that are, that are, that are kind of important to understand. Uh, it's, 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 it's in no way easy to kind of um, like understand what exactly uh, are the, the cause and effect here. Like this is an op like a very complex chaotic system right now um, that uh, in which uh, a lot of people from rural farmers all the way to uh, um, uh, Fortune 50 companies find utility in, 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 in this thing we build. Great, thank you, Gus. Our next question comes from Richard C. of National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Yes, uh, thank you. I was wondering if you could give us a sense of uh, your wins that are sort of coming from competitive platforms, particularly when it comes to the larger merchants. You know, this might be more applicable to sort of prior to COVID, but uh, maybe give some context on that. Thank you. Hey, Richard, uh, Harley here. Uh, the truth is, uh, a lot of the, in my commentary earlier, I talked about new verticals coming to Shopify. For the most part, they're not actually replatforming. Uh, these are net new direct-to-consumer uh, business models. So either in the case of Heinz Ketchup, they just never sold Heinz Ketchup directly to the consumer before. Uh, so these are not necessarily migrations. Now, that being said, one of the things that COVID is, has obviously done is uh, for small companies, but also for large companies, is look at their cost base and figure out uh, where are they spending on things that they're not deriving proportional value from. And a lot of the enterprise e-commerce platforms uh, certainly uh, 
are, are something that people are relooking. Um, now, that being said, because time is of the essence right now, and sometimes replatforming does take some time, uh, they may be waiting until things become a little bit more normal uh, before they make those migrations. But generally, uh, a lot of the new verticals we're seeing, whether it's uh, CPG brands for the first time going direct to consumer, or it's grocery, or it's things like liquor companies or, um, or tobacco companies that we're seeing, uh, it just were not, they just weren't selling before. And so the migrations are not necessarily the thing that's driving this. It's a lot of net new, uh, net new merchants coming to the platform. That said, I do suspect, as Toby pointed out, that a lot of people after this, uh, things get a little bit more normal. Um, people will relook whether or not they're getting bang for buck from their existing software providers, particularly the more legacy enterprise players and realizing that one, it's too expensive and two, they're not getting the flexibility they require. Great, thanks Richard. Our next question comes from Deepak Marivan of Barclays. Please go ahead. Great, thanks for taking the question guys. Amy, can you from the free trials, uh, the 90-day free trials in 1Q. There's a lot of moving pieces, obviously, on MRR, but it feels like this is a trend which will continue into 2Q as well. How should we think about the impact on 2Q? Thank you. Yeah, so um, the 90-day free trial, let me, let me just um, uh, give you a quick overview. Uh, it started at the uh, latter part of March and is ongoing. Uh, we've not made a decision uh, uh, yet or announced yet when we'll terminate the free trial. Uh, we're really excited about the results that we're seeing uh, with new store creations up 62% uh, over the last six weeks versus the prior six weeks. Uh, I want to emphasize what, what new store creations means. Uh, they are potential merchants that have come to the platform uh, They're setting up a store. They've given us their billing information, but we are not billing them yet, so we don't count them as a merchant. Um, we know that in the mix of those new store creations, there are both established businesses and new entrepreneurs. Uh, and the reason why we know there's a healthy mix of established businesses is the percentage of those uh, merchants uh, selling in their first week on the platform is higher than it has uh, typically been historically. Uh, those uh, new store creations, uh, because they don't count as a merchant, we're not billing them, they don't count towards MRR. So as I said in uh, my earlier remarks, MRR in the second quarter will be impacted by this 90-day free trial, but we expect the benefits um, from that 90-day free trial to uh, materialize in the third quarter. Thank you, Deepak. Our next question comes from Matt Fow of William Blair. Please go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Just wanted to ask on the shop app, it seems like you're starting to dip your toe in the water here with demand generation or, or demand aggregation. Have you thought more about going into this space, especially as perhaps consumer discretionary spending becomes more challenging over the coming months, it might be something that your merchants would be looking for to help them out. Thanks. Yeah, um, thanks, I'll take that. Um, so yeah, shop app is, uh, maybe quickly. Um, 
the why behind Shopper is uh, like LTV increase, right? Like that's that that that's the goal. Um, so um, we launched it also with a local discovery feature. So this is actually a good example of what I meant earlier when I said that we need to uh, you know re rederive our plans and um, um, also it's a product like something like the local discovery feature in Shop is something we launched partly because we have successfully um, lowered our minimum acceptable quality bar to launch something. So the way this worked is um, uh, Sharp is, is a very valuable uh, piece of software, but I'll explain a little bit the reasoning for why, why it exists. But um, the local discovery feature was something that uh, came out of a hack days that we called right after the COVID thing uh, started, where we just asked the entire company, hey, everyone, like make an experiment based on what you think would be helpful right now to our customers. Um, and uh, we launched the local discovery features as part of Shop because uh, not because it's particularly ready, but but because it's actually helping right now, and it is helping right now. People are getting sales for it, which is awesome. So um, that's that, that's uh, um, uh, what this is about. We will run more experiments, but the goal is it is um, to deepen the relationship with the brands you already are buying from, um, and that's that that's particularly like that's that's like our take on. Uh, this particular product. It is funny what, when, when, again, I, I come from these, at these things from a product with a product mindset, and I like especially to read, argue things from first principles. Um, it is a funny world in which we separated out the particular roles as a, uh, in, 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 the, in the world of retail the way we did. Um, I would like I would, I would like to know to meet the person who would uh, argue that uh, from scratch we should design the world of internet commerce in such a way that there are these websites um, and then you purchase something and then it says like after you enter your entire address and uh, credit card from scratch every time you end up um, then like usually with your thumbs you then uh, uh, go to a thank you page at which point you hope to get an email at some point and in which email maybe then a day or two later, there's a tracking code, at which point you can paste that in one of six logistics providers, uh, usually getting like very far delayed data about where your package might be. Uh, shrouding this entire process in mystery, it will then show up randomly at a door. And uh, um, uh, if there's anything wrong with it, you then have to like go find one of those emails again. And, and you sort of know where I'm getting at, right? Like, like, it, it's, like this is all poorly tooled. <laughs> and is uh, the only reason why anyone's okay with it is because it's organically grew like this. So shop is what what we're trying to do is we want an end-to-end -end experience that's good, where where, where you uh, interact with the brand for any channel you want, and then it go the the process of getting this product is actually something that's delightful and knowable, where you know where the packages when it arrives, and um, the the process of interacting with the brand, going back and potentially purchasing some more or purchase, repurchasing the, uh, the staples you just received um, uh, is it, something that's just kind of a sane process. So that's uh, uh, the, the, the utility behind shop. And so this is why we combined a couple of things and um, uh, built it. Um, and uh, this is, of course, there, there's going to be a good amount of work which is going to go into it. This is an important project, it's an ambitious project, but uh, it's also really, really important understanding, I think, for everyone is that um, the goal is lifetime customer value increase. So, hope that helps. Great, thank you, Matt. 
Our next question comes from Darren Aftahi of Roth Capital Partners. Please go ahead. Hey guys, thanks for my question. Um, just on the ramp you talked about in store openings and comments around acceleration of April GMV, could you maybe share what the mix of discretionary versus non-discretionary categories is? Thanks. Yeah, on the on the ramp of um, of April GMV, uh, let me just give you uh, some uh, some thoughts on that. Um, we did see uh, an increased shift from offline to online, um, and a lot of that was beverage, food, beverage, um, home office, home gym, uh, increasing as a percentage of the mix in April. Uh, as we said, apparel had softened in March, but it did recover by the end of March. So it, even into April, um, apparel was um, was back to its normal levels. So we saw the combination of all of those things hit in April. And I also just I'll add in just to give you a little bit more information too. Uh, the GMB acceleration that we saw in April due to all those verticals. Uh, doing well was broad-based uh, from a geographic, regional perspective across the globe. Great. Thank you, Darren. Our next question comes from Nikhail Feldani of Mackey Research Capital. Please go ahead. Uh, great. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, with all these changes, I was wondering if you could maybe give us some color about how you're thinking about talent acquisition, uh, especially with all the challenges in the uh, VC back ecosystem in California right now, how are you thinking about maybe going after some of those uh, 10X engineers? Thanks. Uh, yeah, so we are expanding. Again, we, we, are, we, are, we, we have economic models that, uh, uh, like Amy, um, talk to, we, we want to be very realistic. But again, I think one thing that's absolutely true is um, that uh, uh, Shopify product fits better into the world that's going to be emergent here after the crisis is over, however long this is going to be uh, than before. Um, Shopify has, like always prefers hiring um, the kinds of people with high potential who can become the 10x engineers, uh, to use your term here. Um, uh, and then we help them get there. So this is, I think, a core competency of a of a company. But yes, uh, we, we we have a lot of inbound interest. We're bringing in great people who are, um, uh, believe in the mission, um, and we are we are going to act, like expand. Um, and yeah, <laughs> no, not much else to say. I guess it's 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 uh, Shopify is limited by the amount of uh, the kinds of people that we need to, for, for, to build this company. Um, uh, this may get easier to find them now. Um, and uh, that would be, I think, great news for Acceleration. Great. Thanks, Nikhil. Our next question comes from Josh Beck of KeyBank. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks for the question, and I uh, hope you're all doing well. I, I just wanted to ask a little bit about uh, the subscription cancellations, you provided some color there. You know, as you went into April, did you see stabilization there? Are there any certain 
uh, verticals, just any other color there you, you could provide would be uh, much appreciated. Yes, uh, as we as we said, we did see cancellations uh, in kind of mid March uh, start to escalate. It was mostly low GMB merchants uh, due to COVID. As we moved into April, um, subscriptions uh, moved back to more normal levels from what we've seen historically. And um, also to talk a, a little bit more about the plus downgrades that we saw in March, uh, those slowed considerably into April. Very helpful, thank you. Great, thank you, Josh. Our next question comes from Samad Samana of Jeffries. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, and thanks for taking my question. Um, Amy, I know you guys don't normally provide this data point outside of the annual filing, but just given the, the unique circumstances, I think it might be helpful. Um, but how does the, the the revenue growth or GMV growth look like for merchants that have been on the platform for 12 months or longer? I know that was, I think, 21% in 2019. I'm curious how that cohort is looking uh, so far, maybe in, in the April period. Yeah, GMV per merchant, uh, especially those that have been on the platform for a longer period of time, has continued to increase uh, year over year. Uh, we don't give out the exact percentage other than annually, but uh, we, we did see uh, those merchants who are successful on the platform uh, continue to grow their GMV. Great. Thank you. Our final question comes from Igral Arunian of Wedbush Securities. Please go ahead. Hey guys, thanks for fitting me in. Um, I want to ask about uh, Shopify POS and the new launch, and um, I guess especially around uh, POS Pro. Uh, you guys talked about you know, timing around launches right now and how to help best customers. So first, I want to just uh, get the thought process behind launching it now while most of physical retail is um, actually shut down um, and, and how you how you see that um, helping merchants or bringing merchants onto the platform, um, you know, whether that's in the physical retail or bring them on, onto e-commerce. Then any way to help kind of frame, um, you know, the, the amount of merchants you have that uh, also do have uh, physical, physical, I know it's, um, I think you followed it at the second um, second highest uh, sales channel. Um, but, you know, uh, maybe uh, the, the stores per, the average stores per merchant or, you know, any kind of way to help frame that as, as, the, as the new software rolls out next. I, I mean, quickly about the point of sale product. Um, I'm really excited about the new point of sale product. I think it's, it's, it's a great example of, um, like, I, I think our, even our previous one was um, basically, like an iPad version of a traditional point of sale system, I think. Which, which, there's nothing terribly wrong with it. I think there's just um, that is a local maxima product category that uh, I think everyone got stuck on. And I think you can make um, there's a global maxima that's higher if you build something directly for the terminals. Uh, we're running a little bit of, out of time here, so like um, I think um, uh, to, how can I answer this question the best? Um, like I mean, the, the timing question is, is probably easy to answer. Like, 
Right now is a great time to change your point of sale system because you don't have people in your stores. <laughs> um, like, this, this, is, this is the perfect time to bring an iPad into the place and, uh, and, and trying on what your life would be like if, uh, um, if having a single retail system that's connected between all the ways you're, uh, you're, you're selling and uh, especially with a new point of sale, now you can run all these uh, cross-channel um, uh, systems like pickup and store and schedule pickups and um, there's going to be a lot more wheel builds, wheel tooling, curbside pickup, um, and uh, a lot more local things. Um, but um, to turn this a little bit into sort of, I guess, final words here because of, of the timing. Um, uh, the thing that we've seen more than uh, go up than anything else is uh, like sales to within 25 kilometers, right? Like this is where you can really see. Everyone that's already familiar with um, with this e-commerce and really seamlessly got, um, went into like started using the channel, then the sort of more familiar channels that just not being uh, not available, and just sort of industry-wide, I think um, at least with our from our data from our vantage point now we have a little bit like our customers might be a little bit more change adaptable customers than sort of the the, the norm, although it should converge upon the mean at this point given the size of Shopify. Um, I think we need to, uh, like you really, 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 really need to be uh, in, in multiple channels and across these um, merchants, we are not really seeing that big of a dong uh, against consumer confidence spending. Like people are still spending. And I think the industry looks at bad data time partly because there's a lot of existing reporting about looking at like the retail industry by just looking at the offline world and then making assumptions about the e-commerce world. I think we need to stop that. I think this is um, this is sort of like the situation of trying to look at uh, TV ratings during the rise of streaming and everyone got, got a little bit confused about how people actually spend their time for, for, for a while. We need to adjust with the digitalization uh, on, on the metrics you look at. And uh, yes, well, thank you for, thanks for joining. Um, like you'll see a lot of things shipping from Shopify. Again, uh, um, we, we, we will be at times slightly embarrassed by the things we are shipping. I think that is a sign of strength um, doing, because that's exactly what uh, when things should be shipped. Uh, all the things that we're shipping will be uh, iterated and uh, improved. We um, take our mission incredibly seriously. Shopify is banded together like crazy because we see our job as trying to make it so that more SMBs in the world survive because Shopify exists. That's that's the role we picked for ourselves, and that's what we're spending all our time on uh, trying to make it come true. So thanks for joining us for our quarterly call. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating, and have a pleasant day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.